Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. I got married! Whoa, we oh, just come oh, out and say that in our right. intro. Oh my yep. God, congrats. Can we see the, to, so that we let everybody oh. know. Oh. We have a YouTube, so we can check it he's, out. There he's it chained. is. He's chained. Oh yeah. How, how, <laughs> how, chained. How, how heavy does that finger feel? Oh, it's lighter than air. It's is it really? liberating, Jeff. Tell, tell wow. my wife I said that. Yeah, I hope she listens to at least the first. I hope she listens to at least the first thirty seconds of our podcast. Yeah, I was going to say she's not like my wife is. She's like I have to listen to you talk all the time. I'm not listening to your podcast. I'm not anymore. listening to your fucking yeah. podcast. Don't That's talk great. about. It. Well, John decided to get married right after his birthday, so he would always know when his birthday hits. Wait, pretty sure something's coming that's important. So kudos exactly. to you for two, uh, setting yourself up things. for success there. It's and it's David Lynch's birthday. How cool is that? I didn't realize that. And yeah, it's you didn't realize. Sure, you thing. didn't realize that. <laughs> your anniversary? Yeah, dude. How funny is that? So every year on your anniversary, you're gonna say, "Happy birthday, David Lynch." Happy birthday, David, and fuck this president, or yay, this president, or oh man, this president. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we're a beer drinking podcast. We uh we keep it positive. Anytime we say anything negative about movies, you're gonna hear this sound. That sound means that we're going to take a drink, and we hope you drink along with us. So, pour yourselves a glass. And uh, normally I have a joke prepared here, but I just want to say for this particular movie, when we get around to mention it, check out the Netflix hold card, because if you get the same one I get, it really does make this look like a Russell Crowe, Guy Pearce, period romance flick. It does. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. Cheers to that. So this, I wanted to ask you this. So this is on Netflix right now to all of our friends. Also, we're not we're not just yada yadaing John's marriage. John, congratulations, kudos Thanks, to you. Thanks, boys. Thank you. So so great. You you love this movie so much, L.A. Confidential, that you almost recorded the day after your wedding. Which oh is my god, like, yeah, wild. Yeah. This was a funny discussion. Guys... It was it was like I think I can make it. I think we can make it. But I'm like, don't do it. We were like, don't, don't do it, man. Don't make it. <laughs> don't oh, make it to the podcast. You guys, you guys are so nice. You pushed it back a week just so I could fucking talk about this movie. I know. Thank you so were, much. Yeah, we, I, we should have picked a different movie, but yeah. What um, a wedding present! <laughs> what what an incredible gesture! I know. See, our present was our presents were not lost in the mail. They were. Um, here all along. Okay, they're in our hearts. Um, this is on Netflix for anybody who wants to check this out. This is, of course, directed by Curtis Hansen, who is in no relation to Taylor, Zach, and Isaac. To the yeah. <laughs> I just got all three of those names. Fuck yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you really had those ready to you go. You researched that. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure little Jeff Ostrubuehler could play that song on the piano I mean, and sing it along and... Don't, yeah, don't, don't start telegraphing that we research occasional things. People expect facts from us then. Yeah. And if anybody oh, hates man. that the song is called Doo-Wop and they just sing Doo-Wop over and over again, most of these lyrics are in the 90s it's, are dumb. It's, it's the music mm-bop. that's fun. Come on. But yeah. <laughs> what did I say? You said Doo-Wop. <laughs> doo-wop. There's, there's a couple of Doo-Wops in there and a Doo-Wop. 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 I'm, I'm, uh, so, I'm so ashamed. That song might have come out the same year. I mean, how can you get that wrong? It's still played in every shopping center in the world. What year? Oh, my God. It was 1997. Out. People, oh, we're wow. talking about major events and movies from 1997. <laughs> and we lead with Mbop. 
Are you out of your goddamn mind? And who did that? I did that. I'm trying to steal John and uh, Elizabeth's thunder. Congratulations again on your marriage. That's so awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, God, you can check so this movie funny. out right now. We keep it positive. We talk about movies. We got a, one mini review for us today, for you today. So we're gonna give a little spoiler-free review of a movie that is pretty new, pretty relevant. Got snubbed at the Oscars. Not one that anybody cares about that was snubbed at the Oscars, or at least not as many people are up in arms about it. But it was a very good movie, from what I hear. Can't wait to hear John give that mini review. And then we're going to tell you what we've been watching at the end of the segment. But if you want to hear a little bit about 1997 in film, which is a fantastic year, don't let Titanic steal this whole fucking year. All right? This is a fantastic year in film. Yeah. Bob came out this goddamn year. Come on. A lot of good shit. <laughs> oh, come on. Stick oh, around. We're going to be talking left. about it. We're going to be talking about it. Any news? Any updates you two want to want to give? We got a YouTube. Check us out. We got some sponsors no. that John can shout out in a second. But anything else? No. No crazy news. I mean, I think we 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 can acknowledge that we follow the awards circuit, and uh, we yeah. uh, we certainly know the nominees that came out and some things mm-hmm. that people are upset about and whatnot. But overall, I think I'm excited to see the awards. Uh, Me too. I I think I think inter, uh, Interstellar. I, I keep calling it Interstellar. Interstellar is great. great movie. <laughs> I think Oppenheimer is going to take it, dude. And for wh- yeah. whatever you can say, whatever you want. This was his year. I mean, my yeah. God, the guy, the guy deserves it. So good for them for getting the yeah. 11, I mean, 13. He, was he it 13? detonated a nuclear 13. bomb. No. It's it's Woo. it's it's like when they didn't give Leonardo one. And he had to go and fight a bear to get an Oscar. It's like, just, just the man's going to blow the planet up if we don't stop him. Give him a fucking Oscar. Give him the Oscar and we can move on. Yeah, so this is actually funny. So the the record for most nominations is 14, which I believe has happened three times. Uh, La La Land, Ben-Hur, Titanic. I think those are the three. And um, uh, so, not Dunkirk. Shit, I'm doing it now too. Not Return of the King? Uh, 11 for 11, Return of the King, including was not what? nominated for Best Cinematography. So there's always dumb shit. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, this, and no acting nominations for that too. So interesting. But this fucking, um, what are we talking about? Oppenheimer. Uh, Oppenheimer. Interstellar. Not, not not nominated for visual effects. <laughs> not nominated for visual effects. You know what? The guys who actually did the, guys and gals who actually did the visual effects that movie are probably really pissed off, but I bet Christopher Nolan is actually very proud of that. If we, you know what I mean? He's like, no one's even thinking about VFX when they see my movies. They think I actually did that. Honestly, yeah, I know he's probably he, deep down inside. He's like bummed, but he's also he took like, he took his VFX uh, department head out to a very expensive yeah. dinner the night that that guy's yeah. They're sitting there. They asked me, he's like, "What visual effects?" And Christopher Nolan's like, "Yeah, yeah." Here's a hundred. Damn right. Here's buy yourself something pretty. Hundred. This movie made basically a billion dollars. Um, yeah. And the Barbie thing, I get it. People, people, it stings. This is not the Golden Globes, you know. Thousands yeah, of actors yeah. voted, and they chose Annette Bening. You know, it's it was it's weird. Yeah. The direct the directors, they they you know, they they went with screenplay and picture for Barbie, and and you know, I, I don't know what to say. It was directors that did it though. It wasn't a bunch of stuffy yeah. people in suits. So it's it's a very confusing thing with everybody getting upset about it. But ultimately, it's like, well, why didn't the directors vote? I, I don't know. It's it's just it's just a weird situation the way that this thing works. But maybe the directors spoke. Mm. Yeah, maybe the directors are all male and didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I was maybe. not. Yeah, I, I, maybe. I don't know. I don't. I think they made a, an incredibly successful blockbuster movie. They got its theme and its message across, touch hearts across the world, made billions of dollars. Which is why it's I don't see a failure picture. here. I don't see yeah. a failure here. Same. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, a, like whatever. And now Greta Gerwig can go on and do whatever the fuck she wants, Anything and you know we're going to see her name on that list yeah. a handful Got more times before on. she's done. 
Yeah, as long, um, as, as long as Marvel keeps their hands off her. Yes, David, you heard it from Dave's mouth. You heard it. Marvel, don't fucking touch her. Don't fucking do it. Leave her <laughs> alone. She's got the money. Yeah. After this film. Um, why don't we shout our sponsors out? John, uh, who sponsors the show? Aww. Carlos Barroso, our beer sponsor, sent me a lovely text. Hello, Carlos, if you're listening hey. for the wedding. And I saw a picture of his family. Son's all grown up. It's great. This man brews beer. You can find it on Instagram at Barozzo, at cbarozzo.beer. Mm. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I love his I love his page. Follow that thing. Go check it out for all the all the beer making uh, topics, articles, shares, brews. Carlos, please send me some beer. Did it's, you guys get yours yet? It's basically beer porn. Oh, yeah, it really is. It really is. <laughs> Did he give you guys any? Did you guys get some? Has it happened yet? He drank ours from last time because we didn't get it in time, but he's going to... He's got more coming in February. In February, And we have a music artist in residence that goes by the name of Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. You can find their, their music like on every single music platform that you're used to going to. Just type in Dasein. Uh, there's some some new releases out that came out recently that are really incredible. Download, stream, subscribe, love, all the shit. Yeah, Dasein. Um, Guys, 19... 19- Ninety-seven. I can't wait can't to talk, wait to about, talk about, about it. But first, do you want me to go first for my little my little review, or you want to do any gripes? What do you got? I got a gripe, of course. Dave, do you have anything that you want to say? I have one. All right. We'll get Let me get my mini review first because I think your 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 gripes are going to be more enjoyable, and then we'll segue after. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> All right. Take so it away. Just very quickly. Very quickly. I saw the Iron Claw <clears throat> two nights ago. And uh, is the the Iron Claw or just Iron Claw? It is the Iron Claw. I am the last and, uh, one to criticize anyone for doing that. I know. So yeah, thank you, God Almighty. <laughs> Fuck you, Dave. That guy was so mad at you. Um, so this stars a few actors you may have heard of. Uh, it's Zac Efron's baby. I think I'm sure when he got attached to it, it really helped the funding come together. I haven't done a lot of deep dive deadline variety reading on the background of how this was made, but it had a fairly low budget for getting a cast like this. Right. Jeremy Allen White is also in it from The Bear and Chainless that everyone, he's having a real moment. Uh, Maura Tierney from fucking ER, give it up. I don't know if anybody liked that. I did not know she was in this movie. That was awesome. Harris Dickinson, Holt Ma- Ma- McAlaney, McAlaney? How do you say his name? From, um, from Mindhunter. Uh, Mind I don't know. I, I don't know you say his last name. Love that guy. He was fucking great. He plays the father. Um, and a few other people that I had not seen yet, but I think they're Stanley Simmons. And anyway, um, this is a very heavy movie. I think I knew that going in. And I don't think, I don't think it's, um, if you like intense, tragic drama, I think this movie is going to speak to you. Whether or not they are pulling it off 100,000%, I think the the award circuit not really giving them as much attention, even though with a cast like that and this kind of movie with an A24 release trying to tell you that this is, you know, this is something we should take seriously. Um, I don't know if it got to the finish line for me, but I enjoyed watching these guys work. Uh, obviously, it's about wrestling. So anyone who has any kind of nostalgia <laughs> or relationship to that at all, I thought they did a pretty damn good job kind of capturing the spirit of a smaller regional version before the WWF really exploded in the late 80s. Most mm-hmm. of this takes place in the early 80s. Um, some fun appearances from some uh, some characters from the World Wrestling Federation, NWA, you know, universe, if anybody gives a shit about that stuff. Uh, nice. But ultimately, it was just it was just a little too tragic for me, if I'm being honest. It kind of stopped wow. being compelling at a certain point and was exclusively tragic. And it just kind of put that 
mind that that wheel started turning for me where I was like, this is what you hear the you know, old Hollywood directors, producers, you kind of hear them talk about this all the time. But you know, first, you got to entertain and then you can move people. And this might be one of those examples where it kind of stops being as entertaining and is exclusively tragic. And it kind of just lost some steam for me. That said, I think I want to support movies of this size. I'm a A24 is great. I think people should still try to spend some money and go see it and support yeah. or watch it when it gets oh, on yeah. streaming because they had a tough time getting this made and congratulations for making it happen. Nice. Cool. You still I heard... have to drink. <laughs> I will drink. I heard Zac Efron <laughs> timed his cycles perfectly for this movie. Timed his cycles? What do you mean? Steroids, man. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> he is enormous. You guys, he is stretched you know what i mean like like they, <laughs> I mean, they look crazy they look nuts they're so swollen yeah. like it's it's kind of weird i will say one thing and i'm not going to like pick on them about this but like there's even a moment where they show you how tall they're supposed to be you know like the wrestlers like it, the, like the tv reads out like what they're supposed to be and they're all supposed to be tall so it's a little oh, weird that they are mm. the opposite of that like these are smaller men and so there was a little, there were several moments where they're wrestling normal sized men. <laughs> and then you're kind of like, okay, these are unusually short guys right. that are just gigantically swollen. You know, the, the stunts are great. They acted the shit out of it. The the ringside, you know, all the camera work. I like, you buy it, but they are, they are little. <laughs> so that's something yeah. you got to just kind of swallow and get past. What? But man, he's huge. I love the clip of the three of them entering the ring at the same time in that one shot and like yeah that one or I should say yeah that, that looked cool um they sweet. had they looked like they had a blast nice all right okay Dave you ready for your gripe sure do you want to go first or you want me to go first um I don't know I guess we usually go for I can go first today no I'll, I'll go I'll go it's okay, okay. who's this funnier oh, uh, probably Jeff's I, I, nobody, I, nobody rants like Jeff we've proven that he even know, has we'll comments see. on YouTube like, oh my God, that was a Jeff rant. Willing to bomb. Nobody rants like Jeff. That's our yeah. first t-shirt, you guys. Fucking ass. Fucking ass. All right. Dave, take it away. No, I think, yeah, it's, it's basically, you know, Peter Griffin in the You Know What Grinds My Gears segment every time. You know what grinds my gears? Roadhouse. All right. <laughs> Which the, the remake trailer came out this week. Just yeah, dropped. Yeah, you oh, shared yeah. that for sure. Jake. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm... Uh, I'm now watching a lot of streaming at the moment because I haven't gone to the cinema as much because I was like working and stuck at home. And uh, I've noticed a, a disturbing trend on all the streaming services. When you open it up now, especially I've noticed particularly on Hulu, it your continue watching row is like four or five rows down. Yeah, it's yeah, You've got to get through reality TV and then yeah. what we think you're like and this and that and everything. It's literally like trying to hire your, hire your favorite hooker on a crowded street in the 80s. Do you like walking down the street? It's like, no, honey, don't watch that. Watch this instead. Hey, look, I'm newer than what you're watching. Hey, handsome, why don't you come over here instead and try some of this reality TV dick? And it's like, well, no, it's impressive and I'm a little curious, but no, thank you. I just want to keep watching Stargate Atlantis. And it takes, you got to go down like four or five fucking rows to get to it. Sometimes you can't even find it. Like, yeah. really, like HBO Max specifically, sometimes I've been like, where is it? Like, it's like, it's really frustrating. You have to go into like search and find what you were looking for. Why do they well, do it to us? According to Dave, it's buried below that reality TV dick. <laughs> How did I get buzzed Coming during that segment? Reality TV dick. I did buzz you. I actually buzzed myself, and then I buzzed you. you. Did. I I have my gripe up, and right, I don't want to. I'm supposed I don't to be wanna, immune. I don't want to leave the page. That's why. 
Um, here we hey, go. That was a good gripe. <laughs> I have, here, I have a mini gripe, which I'm gonna say. Wait, go. hold on. Okay, okay, go. How do people just have lawyers? <laughs> Is this I something mean, you want to tell us? <laughs> no, I get it. Like, if you don't want to rat fuck your mortgage, you should probably call a lawyer. And like, if you don't want somebody rat fucking your will, you should get a lawyer. But that doesn't mean they're <clears> just <throat> on call for you. Like, you can't just call them. And every time, I don't, don't call them. Anyway, I'm like, I'll call my lawyer, but I really don't want to. Cause I, I don't know if they bill that call hourly. Their hourly rate's like $800. They do. You know, yeah. people, who, people who went to law schools you'd never heard of are driving $350,000 Porsches. I don't want to call a lawyer. I don't want you to have a lawyer. So no, 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 no. I'm weak. So anytime I say, I'm going to call my lawyer, you should know I'm, you're, I'm out of my goddamn mind and I'm afraid to go to the doctor because of the bill that I'm going to get. So I'm not calling a fucking lawyer. There's no way. Who call, Who has a lawyer? God. Normal adults, Jeff. No, yeah. Not oh, everybody yeah? has to call the, let me call the actor's equity What's law lawyer? representation. Yeah. What's your, who's your lawyer? Who's your lawyer? I, I have two lawyers, one for my immigration and one for when I accidentally killed that hooker back in the 80s. My sister. No, yeah, see, that's. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, story. I was gonna say something. Can you not say oh, that oh. straight after I killed that hooker back in the eighties? Wait, I just want to say I'm mad at reality I'm mad... TV, Dick. That's the second T-shirt. <laughs> I, wait, I want to say though I'm mad at Apple TV because Apple TV they've been doing this for a while now, but they've been doing the thing that Netflix started doing, which is addictive. So even though it's annoying, where like if you if you linger on. You know, a movie, it'll just start playing a trailer. Yeah. Sometimes it's that. But yeah. Apple TV, what, my my Apple TV is a platform to me. It's not, well, I guess it's like, um, it's a, whatever. It's, who gives a shit? A portal. I don't know. But like, I'm on my Apple TV to find other apps and I'm getting trailers for Apple TV shows. And the worst thing is it's always the same one. So for a while, I was ready to strangle Mark Wahlberg. I I, I will refuse to see whatever that Mark Wahlberg movie is because I was so, he always, he always talks like this in his movies and it's always stuck in his voice. And I can't fucking stand it. Yeah. And that goddamn trailer would start playing every fucking time that I turned the Apple TV to the point where I'm like, the whole movie is out for me because of this one scene. But now they're risking it with Killers of the Flower Moon because it's the scene where Leo, it's quiet and he just goes, you know, you got a really interesting colored skin or whatever. And it's like, oh my God, like I, it's not a line that I want to hear 40 times a day. And it's like, it's yeah. every time it, it drives me nuts. Color. I don't want that echoing out, yeah. out under my apartment door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many times, just over and over and over again. I didn't open yeah, the yeah. Apple TV app. I just turned on Apple TV and I'm getting Leo talking about skin color. I don't know, it's just, ugh. Mm. Once again, you guys, we are like with this amazing control over whatever we want to watch, we have lost control over how we want to approach content. Like, can you imagine if you had walked into a video store in the 80s and the covers made noise? You know, I mean, like they, if you, they didn't you have walk the trailer in front of one, running they on the just TVs. started talking to you like oh, a yeah, fucking yeah. like, you know, like a yeah, like, decoration from Halloween or something like that would have been terrible. Right. It would have been awful. Yeah. Also, you can't I hate this feature so much. I, I don't know if I told you guys this story. I can't remember if I was still living in New York or not. I think I may have been here. I was at a party and I was talking with these people I didn't know very well. And the girl worked at Netflix. The woman worked at Netflix. And I was like, uh, oh, cool. You know, what do you, what do you do? And she said, I actually spearheaded this campaign that, to get the trailers to, to run advertisements if, after you sit over something. 
And oh, the, room the one went, everybody went turned quiet. off. <laughs> yeah, and everybody. Thing, and she the first was thing like, the word requested like, for your project I, was an off switch. She yeah. was like, "You guys, she, it's very effective." She was like, "I'm sorry." I was like, "Come on." I was like, "Maybe the rest of the world doesn't mind it, but like everybody in our industry seems to no, fucking hate dude, it." Dude, the internet blew up with people asking, "How the fuck do I turn this off?" Yeah, how do I and turn um, it off? To the or point at least where the you volume. can. At least you can, uh, mute yeah. it. No, you can turn it off now. There's a function in there to turn it off. Especially I will, I will say too. I will say too. Every single person who complains about this, just like people who complain about the Oscars, have to admit it also kind of like works because hmm. there there have definitely been movies that I saw that trailer for and I was like, ooh, it can't it counts on laziness too because like maybe not get, the first time. It's better than look. It's better than for a while. I don't think Netflix allowed you to view a trailer, which also wasn't yeah, cool. Yeah, that was like, so. Um, yeah. Give me more than a thumbnail. You know, I do want to see. I want to have the control to watch a trailer if I want to. But this yeah. is just too far. Anyway, I totally agree. Dave, good rant. I was literally bitching about that two days ago. And I was like, what the fuck? Where's the continue? I was like screaming yeah, yeah. about and it. And sometimes it's HBO not even fucking... there. It really is. It's like, that's what I was about to say. Sometimes yeah. I literally don't think it's a matter of scrolling. I don't think it's there sometimes. Yeah. You have to restart the app. It's annoying. They want us, anyway, to, be, they want us to be lost in there. They want us to be just, just a, a Jeff, wash. Can I, can, I, yeah. can I take a guess? Just a long shot in the dark. The highest grossing movie of 1997. I, oh, I, not, I, de I definitely haven't already mentioned it on this podcast. Yeah, go ahead. 1997. Highest grossing movie. What you got? It's something about a ship. Go um, ship. I, guys, I had to play this song at a, at a, at a musical theater camp and on the recorder <laughs> as a full-grown adult. <laughs> Dude, I, I I used to work I used to work on a cruise ship, as you know. And one day during the sail away, when they were doing the safety announcement, everyone's on the outer deck and they're showing everyone where to go in the event of emergency. They do it in every, every cruise. And somebody, as the background music, put Titanic on, like yeah. put the uh. this, put this like my heart will go on on. And straight after it, like the captain's like, "Do you think that was a good idea?" And their response was yeah, no, but, no, but did, yeah, it's, like, it's like no, but did you see their fucking faces? Uh -huh. <laughs> Everybody listened my to that announcement god. that day. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, dude. Um, the movie's cheesy. What a year. The movie, the, the, the script is cheesy, but the movie's not bad. I rewatched it again last year, and and look, the movie's not bad. It's good. Movie. Titanic. It's fantastic. It's a movie. fucking masterpiece. I don't care. Fuck I everybody who judges. You can be, you can, I can understand if you say I'm a sap or it's too yeah. sappy and you're not, it's not your kind of movie. It's but that is a in real time. It's objective. Incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. Like, come on, get out of here. Guys, yeah, if, if you look in the back, you can see James Cameron with a stopwatch measuring the water level. Guys, do you know if the boat. <laughs> screaming at somebody. You know if, the, if the Titanic went head first into the iceberg, it wouldn't have sank? Yeah. So they just pussied out? Is that what you're saying? They should have just gone, oh, dead ahead. Yeah. You know, Always commit. Fucking... Always commit. <laughs> right at it. Where was Victor Garber when, you know, they needed him? Jesus Christ. Yeah, you see, like, you can see the captain at the wheel, Sipping and it's like, captain, we've got to try and go around it. He's like, love... no, fuck it. It's about family. Also, shout out to <laughs> Titanic off-Broadway. Um, I love that Victor Garber, as soon as they were like, okay, so I think four of these holes um, are flooded, and he goes, it's going down. The ship's going down. Like, he was in like, that first conversation. You'll find me in the dining room twirling yeah, like, with the clock. He's like, <laughs> I did this, so I accept that I'm dying. I'm not even going to try to get a lifeboat. I'll be drinking myself into oblivion. And um, this movie's rated PG, PG-13, so I can't say the truth, which is I, I wish I could get polished off one more time. But I'm going to, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so Titanic uh, was the number one math. grossing movie of the year. Of course, this was the, the number one highest grossing movie of all time for a very long time. Um, you guys know what number two was? And I'll give you a hint. It was not in our summer blockbuster face-off that we did last year. 
It was not. Mm. Nope. Why would it have been? Because well, Titanic was. Because oh, it Titan- came out. Titanic in the Christmas came out. Time. Yeah, yeah. And um, but this next movie, I actually I believe actually did come out in the summer, but actually did better uh, worldwide, but domestically was in third place. Was it Batman and Robin or Jurassic World? No. Oh shit! I have no idea if it's not those two. Dave. Bab- Batman and Robin actually only made two hundred and thirty-eight uh, million dollars internationally on a production budget of one hundred twenty-five. So factoring mm. in marketing and its and other costs, it actually was not a financial success. Air Force One. Uh, good guess. It came in at number five. Lost. Uh, how about uh, fucking uh, Tomorrow yeah. Never Dies? James Bond. Number four. Oh it's my god. In the lab. Uh, <laughs> I know what you did last summer. What? <laughs> Shut the- that was that was number fifty-seven. <laughs> just googling movies now. Dante's Peak. <laughs> Listen to this year. Unbelievable. The, the Lost World Jurassic Park came in at number two this year. I said that. I, I guessed that. You said the lot, and then you kind of stopped. Oh, sorry. Didn't and Men, Men, in, Men in Black came yeah. in third. Yeah, sorry. Fuck nice. Yeah, fuck I, I feel like the recording will show that he did say it. I think um, I, I said Batman and Robin and Jurassic World. It doesn't matter. Oh, Jurassic, Jurassic World. World. That's different. That's a different it's franchise. It's not Jurassic World. Yeah, what the get the fuck out of here. Jurassic Park. What is it? The Lost World, World. and Jurassic. Jurassic are in the title. The Lost sure. World. The Lost World. Excuse me. The Lost World. Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, DreamWorks released its first three films: The Peacemaker, Amistad, and Mouse Hunt. This also happened this year. Sony beat Disney as the highest-grossing distributor after a three-year run by. The Mouse House. After three Batman movies, we already talked about that one. Fifth Element was the top grossing French film of all time mm. until The Untouchables in 2011. Waiting for Guffin gets an R rated for one scene, therefore bombing at the box office. Uh, Titanic won 11 Oscars, tying Ben Hur and Return of the King. Yada, yada, yada. Oh, all about Eve and La La Land. Fuck. Had the 14 nominations. Uh, acting Oscars, Helen Hunt and Jack Nicholson. Both won for as good as it gets. Robin Williams wins his Oscar for Goodwill Hunting, beating Burt Reynolds, who is visibly unhappy <coughs> if you watch the clip of Robin Williams winning. Um, and let's see. Anthony Hopkins won the BAFTA and some shit. Who won? Oh, Kim Basinger gets her revenge after being written out of Batman Returns. She wins. For LA Confidential. How fucking crazy is that? Wow. And then Ben and Matt won, mm. James Horner. I, I, we did have to cover that business too. It is it is Basinger, not Basinger and anything like that. Uh, we just want yeah. to clarify Basinger. it's Basinger. I think we get it. Basinger. Uh, Prefontaine, the Leto O'Neill one came out this year. You mentioned a bunch. We can't go through all of them, but this is a this is a really, really, really good This year. might be, there's Speed an argument. Somebody, <laughs> good somebody has yeah. written a thesis for sure on how this is the best year of the second golden age of Hollywood in the yeah. 90s. This year is I think unbelievable. So too. It I, is crazy. Guys, can I just, I, I did this during the, 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 the box office thing, but just the comedies. Money Talks, Good Fantastic. Burger, The Pest, Vegas Va- Vacation, Beverly Hills Ninja, Rosewood, Hercules for the kids, Booty Call, Private Parts, Soul Food, Jungle Private to Jungle, parts. Chasing Amy, Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag, Gone Fishing, Romy and Michelle's etc. Wedding. Dave, that's you can you know that title because you're Australian. Um, it, Austin Powers International Man of Mystery came out this year. Austin out Powers, to Sea, oh fucking Air Bud, Bean. Brandy, Cinderella, Starship Troopers, Flubber, and Mr. Magoo all came out in 1997. These are just the comedies. And if we're going to... I mean, no, Starship Troopers is not supposed to be a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> and romantic comedy, My Best Friend's Wedding. Like a, mm-hmm. you know, seminal... Oh. Yeah, I mean, come on, dude. What a year. What Those are just the comedy. That's year. one genre or a little bit of crossover genre. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, throw these fucking names in a hat and enjoy yourself. Brad Pitt can't go to available. China ever since Seven Years in Tibet came out this year. 
such a good movie. We also talked Not about talked Gat- about. We also talked about Gattaca on the show, so you can get in there. And Jenny Day Lewis, the did. boxer. Yeah, I was going to say, guys, what 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 movies have we talked about from 1997 over the years on this show? Not that Gattaca, many. Gattaca, Speed Two, Cruise Control, Jackie Brown, Boogie Nights. Now we're doing Ellie Confidential, and I think we have done something else. Yeah, let's no, hope this year never comes up again because we're running out of good movies. Yeah, 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 for sure. right, for sure, yeah, right. Men in Black, Men in Black. We did it this summer. That might we? be. Yeah, we did. Uh, and then around the go. world, around the world, a couple things. Clinton's second term. Steve Jobs returns to Apple's. Google.com was registered as a domain name in 1997. Didn't go anywhere. Wow. Didn't go anywhere. The first <laughs> successfully God. cloned mammal in the UK was announced, actually born in 1996. Dolly the sheep. Ah, uh, Dolly. I remember Dolly. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> uh, no one was going to eat it, though, were they? Um, Scotland <laughs> votes to create its own parliament for the first time in 290 years after being with England. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was released in England, but the, the US wouldn't get the book till the next yes. year. Hong Kong returned to Chinese rule. Israelis and, and pulled out of the the Sorcerer's the Stone was released in Australia. That's right. Princess Diana. Because they didn't think Australia would know what a philosopher was. And America. It's the, the only time his Philosopher's Stone is in Britain, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Uh, anyway. Princess Diana was killed in a car crash this year. And oh, Mike man. Tyson bites Evander Holofield's ear off. OJ Simpson was found guilty in the civil court. So sorry, he was already acquitted in the criminal court, people, in 1995. Avian flu. And come on. Tiger Woods becomes the youngest Masters winner at 21. He Get also, up. Tiger Woods is also a top three Halloween costume in 1997. Just, in, what was it, Jeff? Black a, pants, a red, a red shirt, Nike polo, and a red maybe, Nike cap. <laughs> maybe a hat, yeah, exactly. Two years maybe, after that, it required extra makeup. Club. I love how baggy those pants are, too, in that 97 Masters. Those are still oh, 90s yeah. baggy. God, he's so skinny. Get your pleats out of here. All right. Um, so that's it. That's the pitch. Anything else you want to talk about from 1997 before we segue into our chosen movie, LA God, no, we're half an hour in no already. No way, man. Let's yeah, fucking having, do it, dude. We're, yeah, we're having a good time. John got married last week. Fuck, crazy. I got fucking married last week. Yeah. Um, crazy. Okay, so as we said earlier in the show, this is on Netflix, LA Confidential, Curtis Hansen won an Oscar for writing the script, which is hilarious because how many people went to film school trying to write the next Chinatown and he fucking did it and won an Oscar. <laughs> Come on. He also and would go on to, to write and direct Too Big to Fail in 2011, which is a um, you know, pretty good movie that people don't give credit to. Mm. The cast, people, come on. I wrote Russell Wilson. That's a football player who might not have a career anymore. That's yeah. not right. Russell Crowe. Kevin Spacey. We can still talk about him. He's basically in retirement and timeout, so we can talk about him because he's awesome in this movie. Guy Pierce. Mm. Character with daddy issues and glasses. That's right. Kim Basinger, mm-hmm. as we said, won an Oscar. James Cromwell, Danny DeVito. Yeah. He's, I guess, he's Scottish. I mean, he's got the oh, Irish. He's got the inflection. I don't know if he has the accent, but he's got the cadence. Good for him. James Cromwell, Danny DeVito, David Strathairn, and Paul Gilfoyle in a career role. Shout out Jerry Goldsmith. Score people, all timer yep. right there. Regency Films. And the pitch. I'm going to give you the setup. This was, on uh, this was also Simon Baker's big screen debut, uh, yeah. an Australian yeah. actor who oh, went really? on to be in The Mentalist. Mm. Yeah, love that. All right, oh, I'm going to give you. Cool. I'm going to give you the IMDb pitch, and then we'll send it on your way. We got as corruption grows in 1950s Los Angeles, three policemen, <laughs> one straight laced, one brutal, and one sleazy, investigate a series of murders with their own brand of justice. LA Confidential. We've all seen this before. What'd you think of this rewatch? Dave, what'd you think, dude? I mean, this used to be one of the movies I would put on 
every other year and watch and watch yeah. again and watch again and watch again. I'm a big fan of the noir stuff, especially the stuff that has like, um, like the voiceovers and it's almost like the old detective styles. The the difference is this yeah. one doesn't have the noir lighting. That it they it's you could almost call it neo noir, I guess, because it's it's done in full modern lighting. Yeah, and and all the production right. design is like shifted to the background, which is actually a request from the director. But it, I mean. This has everything. It's got like Danny DeVito doing noir voiceovers, domestic violence, Australians who have nothing to do with domestic violence, police brutality, corruption, all the things that made the 50s what they were. And it just pulls it all together in a really nice bundle. Um, it's a little confronting, um, but the pace of this, and it, like I want to say it's two hours and 20 minutes, but you are not bored because it's just twist after twist after this person double-crossing this one. This, and we were talking about um, a couple of weeks ago how like I love those ones where they, they like basically you don't know who's doing the double-cross unless you've got a fucking slide rule and you're doing math. <laughs> and this is definitely one of them. It's so much fun to watch. All the characters like uh, on their on their really like top game in, in this one. That's yeah. A, yeah, I'm trying to put other words in. I can't think of it right now, no, so I'm going to throw it to you. Dude, <laughs> nothing, nothing says film noir voice like Danny DeVito. Right? <laughs> well, I think that's, that's something I wanted to point out just from the jump. I think one thing that is so unique about LA Confidential versus it is a neo-noir, it's everything you said, but in a lot of other uh, traditional noir-style voiceover-driven detective you know, kind of things, they are they're kind of lamenting the story they're telling you. Mm. This from the jump is hush, hush. You know, there's a charm to it. There's yeah. like a, a happiness to it. There's a sleaze. There's kind of a, a giddy oh, sleaze. Definitely sleazy at the beginning, yes. Right? Yeah. To like this, and, the, and it gives it this different spin. So it has this kind of brevity, not brevity, levity to the way that it, uh, just the way the storytelling really sets mm. up, especially that first like 30 or 40 minutes before it really gets darker and you start seeing people die and you start seeing the consequences of this, isn't this fun, Los Angeles kind of feel. Yeah. Yeah. You look back at the old Philip Marlowe stories, you know, these <clears throat> Maltese Falcon or Billy Wilder, you know, double indemnity. And these things, are, they they have the same ingredients, but there is a tonal difference. And for one, it's it's what I said. I think it's in the way that the voiceover is delivered. The storyteller, if you will, is not a lamenting detective that's sadly telling you it was eight o'clock and she came into my office yeah. and this is the beginning of the end for both of us. You know, it's not that kind of thing. And like you said, it's it's lit differently. I think Chinatown still used a lot of like the LA sunshine in trying trying to like how do we make how do we make hard light come from the sky as opposed to mm. hard light come from like a street light through blinds the way they did in the 40s and stuff. So I think those two things are super, super important. There are also three, dare I say not, maybe not leads, but there are three very important protagonist perspectives. Guy Pierce, Russell Crowe, mm. and Kevin Spacey. And, and I they, think the way they, that you start to- barely meet too. Like- Yes. Well, that's they, the thing. Well, they, they, that, which, that's fucking crazy that you say that because I know what you mean. They don't speak to each other a lot, but they are absolutely in the same world and know each other. Oh, right? yeah. They all work yeah. in the same police force, hmm. which is awesome. They have these three different people who cross paths all the time, including this amazing introductory expositional scene where they end up all getting charged for fucking battery on innocent yeah. victims so you know, which, beating the uh, shit out of these people they've taken it's based on an actual event that as well that which is 
great. It's yeah, great that they found Christmas some ways to. Happened. And not to give, uh, not to take away from Curtis Hansen as a screenwriter because he's the fucking man. But this was based on a book by James Elroy. Yeah. So that's a uh, that's. I mean, I, I love it. I love it. This, this is maybe want to go back and read like uh, Raymond Chandler and and this all is those book guys. Three really of um, Elroy's L.A. Quartet series. <clears throat> there's there's four of cool. them. It's the Black Dahlia, the Big Nowhere, L.A. Confidential, and White Jazz. Um, Dahlia was Fuck made yeah, as a dude. Brian De Palma film in 2006, if you want to check that out. Six, right? I did wow. not yeah. care for that movie, but I remember that yeah, movie. Yeah, a lot of people didn't. <laughs> I, it certainly was no LA Confidential. I get it. So what, what else? What else? Really quickly for my mini. This was the first time that I had ever seen Russell Crowe. And even though I wasn't acting then, you know, but I, I think I saw movies like most people through actors' eyes. I was smitten i was like who the fuck is that i was like 11 yeah. years old when this movie came out 10 years old and i was like what the fuck who is that dude and I, of course i didn't know anything about mm. him didn't know he was australian didn't know who guy pierce was really i hadn't seen any of his earlier stuff either actually so I was in fact in russell, russell crowe's a kiwi he is a kiwi isn't he yeah yep. yeah you guys fucking claim him we claim him he yeah until not. he does until he does bad stuff then he's a kiwi <laughs> doesn't he own one of the does he own the one of the the rugby teams from the New Zealand? It doesn't uh, maybe. Matter. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, the acting in this think, is fantastic. I think he's building a movie studio at the moment, though. Good for him. The acting is fantastic. Oh, the storytelling, yeah. like you said, the pacing is remarkable. And more than anything, it's just... We just don't get a lot of detective stories anymore. There's a reason, I guess. They, they kind of did their thing and they started getting eaten up by television in such a successful way into all these mm. procedurals that I think this kind of movie just faded into the dust. They made noirs back in the 30s and 40s because they were cheap and the books were available. There were a lot of pulp books and you know they kind of just went away from these. I would argue that Tarantino likes this genre and tries to pull in this kind of detective mystery into everything he does with a little bit of his spin. There's always these elements, but this was the last one I think that was shamelessly successfully a noir picture detectives at the front of it, trying to solve a mm. mystery about what's going on. And it's just, it's just one of the greatest And Kim Basinger. Is unless, fucking unless you want to count the Batman. Cause that definitely the Batman had the similar is a similar noir yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to go and there, David story. Lynch, everything yeah. David Lynch does is, is a fucking neo noir. I think he has. Well, that's a detective story because you're trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. The Batman is fantastic, but he, but this one, this one is. I think I think there is something beautiful about the fact that this movie ends up. Spoiler alert! Ends up being about the good cop and the bad cop, which is always fun. And a lot of the older detective stories were not about that. Sure. So this one actually kind of turned the genre a little bit on its head because it wasn't like in Chinatown. It wasn't the city or a rich billionaire who was to blame. It was people. It was the call was coming from inside the house. Yeah. You know, and that was that reveal is so exciting. Yeah. Kevin Spacey's death when he puts oh that shit God. together. That scene is while he's dying. It's, 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 I watched it twice. I, went, I was like, I want to see it again. W watching Kevin Spacey's <sighs> face while he's dying, putting it together. It's I mean, Whew. unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jeff, how much me. do you think Anheuser Busch paid to name this main character Bud White? <laughs> Every time they're like, do I Bud yeah, White. We do <laughs> <laughs> I was oh my god! The whole time they're like, 
Oh, wow, that's, that's the I was like, first. No, I'm thir- I was like, I'm thirsty. <laughs> that's the first thought you have on this movie. Yeah. <laughs> great, great names all around. Exley. <clears throat> Exley, Vinc- fantastic. Yeah. Vincennes. Vincenzi. Vincenzi. So we got, we got yeah. Budweiser and Exlax at the moment. Yeah, guys, so. the, these lines, I think when this movie started this time, I don't know what was wrong with my memory. I mean, you know, I didn't. I really? Know, I we we have a drinking podcast. What do you think's wrong with your memory? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good point. Um, really setting myself up for success on this uh, review here. Um, they, <laughs> I, I don't know what I was thinking, but when the music, it was wonderful. And then Danny DeVito's fucking voice comes on. I was like, holy shit. I totally forgot that he was even in this movie. Because it's the cop. To me, it was cops and press. Cop, And Mm. obviously, Danny DeVito represents the press. But I remember them wanting to be at the crime scene and fighting and then getting the pictures and the angle and the lighting. I remember that so vividly, especially considering where it goes. Because obviously, they sort of leave that at a certain point when all of a sudden, they need to... All of a sudden, it's about justice. You know? Or Oh, my God, the line Kevin Spacey has... Why did you become a cop? I can't remember. The way he delivers mm, that line yeah. is like, okay, God no, I, I feel like the, the creepiest Perfection. spacey line in the entire thing is when he turns around and says, America isn't ready for the real me. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, up. no, oh, no, oh, sir, we were not. Oh, shut up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Of course, caveat. Of course, we understand. Of course, of yeah, course, he did. Um, yeah. Another thing. So I love this noir thing because not this noir thing. The fact that it's noir, but it's simply by basically making the voiceover, uh, page six, uh, People magazine. Hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously it's called Gossip Girl. It's Gossip Girl. Yeah, exactly. The fact it's yeah, it's fucking Sex in the City. But oh, Gossip Girl. Yeah, I guess. The fact that just by that inflection, because honestly, truly, and I, I thought about this a lot, the the Mickey C killings were some of the most brutal killing series that I've, I've ever seen. You know, these guys just sitting in the car talking and then just those few gunshots coming through the windshields and killing them. The person sitting in their living room, you know, with the drugs and the cocaine and the shots coming through the windshield. I mean, fucking brutal. But just yeah. the tone, it wasn't bullet. It yeah. wasn't those other movies you mentioned. It was, can we get the picture? Can we get the shot? Can we glamorize it? It's like that it was in my head the whole time. Like, where's the champagne popping while this brutal murder, murder is happening? Like, as if we're at a Christmas party and people mm. are getting killed out back. It's like, it was, that that tunnel shift was so good. And then again, the fact that they could, obviously there's twists and turns, but the fact that that tone got darker, so that, but not only by the end was there no question, and obviously yeah. when Danny DeVito, you know, at a certain point, there, there obviously was no voiceover, but... The fact that that sexy selling LA thing was out the window because we had to get to justice. I actually, I actually can't believe, I can't believe the journey. I can't believe the journey that we took. It's yeah. unreal. Everything it really takes a journey. Like, yeah. and it's funny you said you responded so well to Russell Crowe's um, character because I think his is the one that most, takes the most interesting journey in this because he's a different yeah. guy from where he starts to once once he's fired, he becomes a completely different fucking person. Oh yeah, oh my god, dude. What he, and he's what he does to Vito. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking great. And he's also a, such a unique leading character because he's he's just the brute, mm, you know. Yeah. Like he, and he's 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 more. I don't want to. I don't want to be too reductive. Clearly, he is more than he thinks he is, and she helps him realize that. And he's not as dumb as he thinks he is. He's not just the brute, but he really is. Ultimately, like what he ends up being is the executioner. And the muscle for Guy Pierce once they finally team up. Yeah. 
and I think that that's so interesting to show such a flawed character who has that kind of vulnerability, who also you eventually learn has this incredibly, you know, uh, traumatic past that gives him a, a good specific reason to justify why he is so incredibly violent to men who hurt women, which is mm -hmm. f fucking cathartic and compelling to watch. You were gritting your teeth every time you see him around somebody who hurts a woman because you can't wait for him to fucking kill them. Yeah. You just can't wait for yeah. it. You're just so excited. That, when he breaks the fucking chair, <laughs> when he fucking snaps the back of the I chair. Just, and I just in. want to say as oh. well. Um, Where is she? It's like, they say a movie's only as good as certain things. And I, I feel like a movie's, this movie's only as good as the bit parts and the minor roles because there are like 80 speaking roles in this. Yeah. And yeah. When, after he breaks that chair and he runs in and shoves the gun in that guy's mouth, that dude was amazing. Like that yeah, performance. He saw his death. Yeah. Like you could see a man reconciling himself with his own death right there and then. And it, it was just like every like B actor in this, like the minor the minor yeah. parts, were just phenomenal. And I felt like it just elevated the entire product. And that's that's one of the things that yeah. is why it's so such a good thing to go back and watch. It's kind of timeless. The Dave, you're so right. Yeah. I want to celebrate too in that in that note. Jeff, you might be about to say the same thing. Sometimes with stylized dialogue, contemporary actors just sound silly saying yeah. it because we're, we're just so we're so used to realism nowadays that it it just sounds cheesy or sappy or overly romantic or whatever. Everybody did such a good job with this and nobody did some weird gangster accent or nobody did an accent yeah, or anything like that. All. It was just grounded and they they justified the words coming out of their mouth that were sometimes stylized. And it fucking worked. It's almost like they all knew it was charm. It was like, isn't it funny that we talk like this? Like they all were on this, the same level, which is, I guess I just want to tip my hat to Curtis Hansen because the, yes, of course. And Dave, I want to look up the cinematographer's name. I don't think I looked it up. There were hmm. obviously noir techniques, but it was not an overly uh, visually directed movie for me. I feel like the biggest achievement from direction was the tone. Yeah, the, the fact yeah. that everyone was kind of well, in this world he, together he and in this time. Did, he actually did give a note to the cinematographer that it is noir, but light it like a modern film. That note was actually given to the it's cinematographer. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's great, dude. It's great, and all this for supporting roles. You're right. You're right, Dave. It's just what a cast, what a gigantic mm. cast. And the more I'm doing this, you guys, the more I'm like casting smaller films and starting to get into like the importance of bit role casting like my god you, casting directors are so fucking important just the faces in the background of those cops are going to make you believe that that's mm. fucking 19 whatever la police department or it's yep. fucking a movie yep, and yeah. it was it's everybody looked so good everybody was believably a man or a woman and they or they had you know. business too they had like business specific to the scene they're in it wasn't just do something in the background it was like there was a, there's certain there's varying things where background characters will be carrying files or doing something or walk past doors, but then there's those interrogation scenes where there's twenty cops on the other side of the window, just staring this guy down, mm -hmm. and they all hate him, and you can see they all hate him. That brawl, <sighs> that brawl. I mean, first of all, the interrogation scenes, the guy peeing himself, like every single one of these actors, just stellar. Any of the times that they had to do raids of the houses, every single person, stellar. Mm -hmm. That brutal beating scene in the holding area is fucking wild obviously the scene at the end we'll get to but like oh my god 
And of course, they're saying very insensitive things to certain, you know. So I, I imagine the rewatch of this movie, you know, it hasn't aged too well for, especially, you know, it depends on who you are and such. But oh my God, that whole entire sequence. Because you, you're rooting you for Bloody th- Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. ro- these are your leads. All of them are involved in this, you know? Every single one, even in a weird way, actually, you know, Guy Pierce, who you're not really rooting for at that point in the movie, even though you know he's no. there, but like they're all <laughs> involved in this thing. And it's like, oh, fuck. So they all got dirt on their hand. They all do the fucking Gene Wilder in Wonka thing where it's like, I need them to not believe me. I need them to know that I'm, you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm deceitful or, you know, we know that about these main characters that you can't trust them to be just good cops. They got their dirt. They got their shit. Let's move on. Let's get back to the story. I don't know. It was fucking crazy. Bloody Christmas. It is so fucking crazy. And I I think the first time I saw it, like it's it's also one of those good help me put a word to this you guys because this comes up a lot in like screenwriting it wasn't i wasn't shocked that it was james cromwell you know like it's it's one of those things where it's not like the wool is pulled so far over your eyes that it's absolutely an impossibility and you have a disbelief it felt appropriately inevitable but it came at the perfect time so that when when kevin spacey says rollo tomasi after he gets shot, you're just like, of course it's him. It's like that perfect timing, of course. We've, we've found our way here. It's time to reveal that we didn't know everything about James Cromwell. This makes perfect sense, but it's not a total out of left field. I've never been able to put like a perfect word. There's probably some weird little dramaturgy word that's, that's that, but I feel like this is just such a good example of that. And I, I meant to press pause to find out when in the movie that scene happens because it's... Mm. It's, well, it's over an hour in for sure. It's yeah. past the midpoint. Yeah. It's definitely like Vincennes has started to make his, you know, atonement. He's trying to kind of figure things out. He's working with Exley. This is Kevin Spacey's character. Man, it's just so. But there's, it, it, that, yeah, that might be something else. It basically that is waited. This. It basically waited till they got close enough that he might be revealed, and they let the story proceed to that point. And then where it was like they're onto some. They're onto this person. And there was nothing else to do. So it's like his, char- his character made the decision to reveal himself and shoot. Do you think there's something, the sleaze aspect of this that they're so aware of, that it's LA and they're making use of it throughout, these three characters in their own way are all seeking some kind of redemption for, for to try to be better men yeah. and better detectives. I think that definitely helps. This isn't them getting dragged down as anti-heroes into the underworld and then at the last moment trying to do the right thing and end up like kind of sacrificing themselves for it. That might be something that like I've never really thought of consciously, but you have people who seem to have different agendas and that kind of it kind of stretches the world for you. But ultimately, it's three people who are trying to be better detectives and they yeah. kind of just hate each other for most of the time. They don't have the same immediate objectives until until they do. Oh my god, yeah. damn it, dude. This movie is so good. You know you know also yeah. you know the scene I watched multiple times was when um, Russell Crowe beats the shit out of Guy Pierce and then instead of hitting him, he throws a chair out the window. <laughs> also <laughs> And also um I feel bad for the filer. Some guy in the streets laying like, there clutching his head like the filer. How about the the fucking art production? yeah, whoever the art department, like how many takes did they have to do that? I hope that was one take, because he fucking destroyed that room. Whoever was on continuity. I bet he didn't even I bet he wasn't even supposed to throw the fucking chair out the window. Yeah, they just need to build <laughs> like, a whole new room. Damn it. It's like, <laughs> Honestly. That's magnificent. Oh man, you're right. We could I could do that that the whole time. Up. 
maybe my favorite like action sequence in this movie the it's not the actual shootout the cars pulling up to the shootout at the yeah. end yeah the headlights coming from every angle is and that's, fantastic and that's when it goes into full noir finally that's as well. full noir that's it, yeah. yeah and it's beautiful it's tense it's nothing you it's it's stuff you've seen it's elements you've seen before but they just executed it brutally but when exley accidentally gets in his first shootout that sequence is amazing when him and he gets that guy to come help him with the shotguns yeah and they go to the drug dealer's house and he and they accidentally start firing because the guy like drops his fork yeah. or something like yeah magnificent all the way to the end of the when he runs down and he sticks the barrel into the elevator and you stay on him you don't see the guy get shot that's great it yeah. holds on him boom and then it just cuts to his reaction after the door opens and they hold on it for like 15 seconds is long just yeah. watching him deal with it what have i just done i just got promoted yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I just got fucking... promoted and also all this stuff that i put down that i said i would never do now i get it you just end up in these God. situations and it just slowly happens uh. over time you saw it all it was fucking i can't believe the journey that these all took and you're so right about <laughs> russell crowe's journey but at the same time he didn't change that much he's still the muscle guy he's willing to dangle people out the you know he's just doing it for a better reason i guess you could say but oh my god, he's not that different. Spacey doesn't change at all, obviously. Find... So like, it's, it's amazing. He I guess I guess Russell, more. I guess Russell takes himself seriously enough to try to be a real detective, and not that's just the change. Muscle that's a change. But exactly. Yeah. So it's not like he just becomes, um, you know. Well, I mean, uh, Mr. They, Smith they goes give, to Washington at the end. They basically give like Russell Crowe the save the cat moment at the beginning of the film. Like he. Just sitting outside that guy's house, the guy beats the woman. He goes in, pulls the guy out, beats the fuck out of him, and like that's that's his that's meant to adhere to him and that sort of thing. So when he has that fall, it's it's harder, and then he has the fall down into where he's just the enforcer, and it slowly follows. It basically his journey goes across, down, and then slowly back up, and yeah. people just fuck with him all the way up. So you you kind of like. Is he going to make it? Is he going to get back to where, like, is he going to get to anything salvageable out of this? Yeah. Huh. I'm trying to find that last line where Lynn Bracken says to Exley, Guy Pierce, Pierce, when he walks out and he realizes that Russell's alive, still in the car at the end, and she says something like, congratulations, some guys get the world and some guys get the horror who, what did she say? Some guys get the horror from, uh, from whatever, wherever she's from in Arizona or wherever. It was, it Do you remember that last like line she says? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think oh, I think my, my favorite my favorite moment in this because like when everything's escalating, and um, Guy Pierce and um, Kevin Spacey go into that uh, like to talk to the the guy that's with the they well Guy Pierce thinks it's a hooker. And he drops that line about, oh, a hooker dressed up like Lana Turner is still Lana Turner. And just Kevin Spacey's smirk in the background. It's like, yeah. she is Lana Turner. What? She is Lana Turner. And then it just, so just so the delivery good. on that was just absolute, like it was absolutely it was so perfect good. because it was a comedy moment we needed right there and then. Like we needed That's, something yeah. to break the tension. And it was, it was just amazingly placed. Because it's, it's a little, it, Dave, you're totally right. Because that's a little bit like, we're working together now. And you get this like, sincerity yeah. of them like trying to start working together but he's still the rookie co-writing <laughs> so good I'll say i also way. wanted to point out that scene go you go first i was just gonna say I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way i wish kevin spacey didn't do those things because god he's good and i wish there was more of him i get why that we can't have any more of him 
but god damn yeah. it's good <laughs> i know I, so i guess what we should say is fuck you casey for doing that bullshit dude you're one of the greatest Come on, of all time man. And you fucking did your monster did bad things I know we want more of these performances because he's he does this shit in fucking horrible bosses. Like it's just like yeah. he's just uh, anyway. That that moment, Dave, made me remember one thing that how we felt about when you watch a really good New York movie. This movie, now that I know this town pretty well, used a lot of this town, like on purpose, mm-hmm. very much locations that you would recognize. That restaurant's one of my favorite restaurants. We go there quite a bit it's called formosa cafe and they they were the lana turner scene and it's like all red and shit it's like this old like oh, caboose uh, and there's so many places like that in the movie where they want you to know where they are they're doing it on purpose it's it's an la movie and i also thought that that's just kind of charming that they found a way to kind of make the the meta use of this town and mm. like most of the locations yeah. are cheated for another location how la is that like it's yeah. just it's they really knew what they were doing, man. I just can't believe how good this movie is. I, like uh, I found the line, by the way. Ready? Mm. So Exley walks down the stairs, sees Russell, looks at her, and she says, some men get the world. Others get ex-hookers in a trip to Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> My God, that's good. What, um, fantastic. Do you guys any other favorite lines? I have two. One is, I'll ha- Russell Crowe, I'll have you violated on a kitty raper beef. You know what they do to kitty rapers in Quentin. But my other favorite one is just, it's the weirdest line. There's so many. I honestly, it's all DeVito's lines. I can tell he's on the night train to the big adios. Yeah. Adios. Yeah. He had so many ridiculous stylized lines, but I mean, they like, it, they just the, fell yeah, out of his mouth, right? Because he's the writer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you want to see, if you want to see, uh, go back even further in Russell Crowe's career, I recommend Rock, Romper Stomper. See, that's, I watched that later and that one is fantastic. I mean, yeah, he's 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 unreal. Hard yeah. to watch, right? That's a tough yeah. movie to watch, but yeah, my about, God, he's fantastic. About, yeah, fair that. warning, it's about neo Nazis. Um, so yeah, 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 he's really good. Oh at yeah, that. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff, I think you watched that one with me in college, maybe. Anyway, he's uh, a <laughs> he's about as good as it gets. Uh, I what was the last like remarkable performance I've seen by him when he played. Uh, in 2016 or 17, no, 2016 or 17, <laughs> Showtime made a miniseries on Roger Ailes. Oh, and he right. plays Roger Ailes and disappears into that fucking monster. And it is, it's unbelievable. It's incredible. Mm. It's hard to watch because he's so good and it's so terrible. But Jesus Christ, it's good. It's like succession before succession. Like it's, it's, it's remarkable. It's one of the things I think I was, I was really pissed off about because you go from like LA Confidential and all that sort of stuff to like, Thor, Love and Thunder, where he's doing a terrible accent. Yeah. And it's, it's just like, <laughs> oh. I don't know what he was doing in that movie. And where's Guy Pierce? Why does he yeah. work so little? He, he, well, no, 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 this is funny. If you look up Guy Pierce right now, he's just in a bunch of things yeah. that you never heard of. And he wasn't, I think the, so big, the biggest thing we had heard of recently was he was in Mayor of Easttown. He was Mayor's like local like person that she was dating. Mm. But he's in all of these series and like yeah. movies that. He's in Iron Man 3. Well, that was a very long time he ago, is, but yeah, yeah. He's good about, yeah. He, he, yeah, but he, yeah, he's in stuff. Because I, I did I, the same thing. I looked this up. I rewatched Memento recently as well. Oh, which he did after this. I always thought like Memento yeah. made him or something. I didn't realize like, who. How do you get cast in this role unless you've already done a Memento? I, I don't know how you get this first. 
took a chance on him, man. I also R- was Russell looking at goes, Russell Crowe's Hey, I've got, I've got a mate over here visiting me. Can he come in too? I guess so. <laughs> Honestly, and doesn't he live in Australia now? Guy Pearce lives in Australia yeah. now, I think. He's lived there for years. I think that's why he did um, Sunrise this year, which got 3.8 on IMDb. <laughs> but um, he must have had a good time doing it. I have never seen uh, Sam Raimi's The Quick and the Dead, which Russell Crowe was in before this, between Romper Stomper and this. Mm. Gene Hackman, yeah. Russell Crowe, and... Sharon Stone, I think. That sounds uh, right. Western, yeah. Um, so anyway, I mean, this is a, this is a. I think this is a, a movie that somehow, it's not that it gets overlooked. Like if you're in our age groups in our generations, like people remember this movie and know this movie. But I feel like when I talk to people younger than me, they don't. They have no idea about this movie. It somehow just like didn't really yeah. escape its time period, even though it did mm. well. Did it? Yeah. What did it win that year? Jeff, did it win anything? It won two Oscars. I mean, it won this movie, writing and and Kim Basinger. writing, and Basinger. And it won a couple. Yeah, it was nominated for a bunch. See, I didn't. I didn't even yeah. hear about this until I, I saw it on a shelf at a video store. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Right. It's. I mean, it may. It may have been one of those that exploded in video stores the way so many great '90s movies did. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but thank God for it. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Maybe Thanks that's why they choosing put, this one. You guys. Maybe that's why they put Kim Basinger on the uh, cover of this thing. She looks so good on it. Uh, but actually, but back to what a um, cover. Yeah. But back to back to what Dave said earlier on. I watched this, and when I was looking on John's Netflix, I saw the Kim Basinger <laughs> picture. Like only her. It was only her, and she looked amazing. I was like, cool. And then I was at Angela's, and I wanted to rewatch some scenes, and she got the Russell Crowe and Guy Pierce looking like they're about to do it. And so I was kind of like, do different people get different thumbnails? Is yes, it like- they do. Yeah, Dave, was yeah. it Dave was it Teresa's account? Why did you? No, get- that was mine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know David, what I said. David, I don't know what I David said around recently my TV. Watched, he recently had watched uh, "Call Me by Your Name" and "Milk" and And guys, this was fun. What a fucking movie! I might rewatch it again. <laughs> I mean, I used to watch it's it on all Netflix. the time. Yeah. Get it in there. It's on Netflix. I have a gripe from this. Go. I'm going to save my gripe for next week for this, but um, that's exciting. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. And sorry, this is my, my last comment because I say this every time and I just want to point it out one more time. Dave, how many special effects, how many visual effects do you think were in this movie with computers and digital? Um, not many. There would have been a, there was probably some element replacement, but nothing. Element replacement, maybe some flares, like some from guns and things like maybe. that. Maybe. Because guns, guns are hit and miss on film. This um, is a pretty practical fucking movie, and I feel like yeah. it really packs a punch. And you feel I, the action, and you feel the yeah. Anyway. I, I, I will see- say, like as well, because it does because there's so many double crosses and so many threads to follow. Leave your phone in another room. Yeah. And in fact, any movie you're watching from now on, just leave your phone in another fucking room. You'll yeah. find you'll enjoy it ten times better. And the neurologists names, have proven it. The names. Yeah. Did you say urologists? Neurologists. Okay, I think it's neurologists. Uro- anyway, um, I I also want to say too that I, I love the trivia bit that because this was filmed in the it was set in the fifties at the time there was an ordinance that buildings couldn't be taller than city hall, which is pretty common for a lot of cities. I know mm. Philadelphia had this. The fucking Arthur Penn on the top of their city hall was supposed to be the highest thing until some landlords went. It's fucking stupid. We all know who Arthur Penn is. They can see it a different angle. Um, having said that, I know a lot of people who had their fucking city views get stolen and they still had to pay the same rent in New York. So it's fucked. But anyway, um, so what they did is they just shot angles to make sure that there were no tall buildings in this. And that mm. was one way of keeping it in that time period. Pretty interesting. So effective. Dude, right. I, found, I found out that there's a, a, a rule about airspace in New York. 
like you own the airspace above you can have a certain yeah. amount of airspace up yeah. to i think level with empire state but now yeah. someone's found a fucking loophole and they're buying that space of someone else and stacking it onto their own all the, all the time yeah it's elevator yeah. um um helicopter there's, a, there's a building yeah. yeah there's a building being uh built in midtown right now um and i won't say what but basically i think they bought the airspace above st paul's church because st paul's church is not going to modify itself i think i've heard that i think i've yeah. heard that can and that's how they were building... able to go taller than Empire State. What if there was like a bridge connecting two buildings above St. Paul's? <laughs> that's a dead Air, air, the airplane rides, the helicopter ride, I forget what it's called. It's like a dick move, building a bridge over St. Paul's. I love it. <laughs> All right, so if I remember correctly, we spin the wheel now to find out what our year is. Then we tell you what we've been watching. Then we take a break and finish out the episode with our selection. Is that right? Yeah. So yes. let's go ahead. Spin the random year generator so we can let the folks know what year we're going to be talking about next week. Uh Uh-oh, it's going to be recent. Uh 2013. 2013. 2013. Wow. That's the year I decided to quit my job and move to America. Wow. (laughs) The year of Dave. I didn't get there till the beginning of 2014, but I did it. I decided. All right, well, that's like the Oscar season. You know, the Oscars yeah. were, of the 2014 Oscars were for the 2013 year. So this is your your moment. So, I, yeah, I've literally been here 10 years now, almost in two weeks. I love it. All right, well, we're going to be telling you which movie we pick from the year 2013 at the end of this episode. But first, we're going to go around the horn with a quick round of what you've been watching, give you our recommendations for the week. Dave. Uh, I... Actually, my wife introduced it to me. It's, it's, I think it's based on a YA novel, but it's Harlem Coben's Shelter on Prime. It's, it's a very good, um, like mystery story, but it's, yeah, it's, I think it's for a, like a YA audience, but it, I found it quite enjoyable in the way they revealed right. the mystery and how it went along. And the characters are really cool in it too. Um, it's well written. Cool. I, I quite enjoyed the journey. And the other one, uh, it was it's a big week, week for my wife this week because I walked in and she's watching still the Michael Jackson, uh, sorry, yeah. the Michael J. Fox documentary. Not Michael Jackson, yeah. Yeah, not Michael Jackson. Um, that's coming though, apparently, the biopic. Um, yes, yeah, still the Michael J. Fox documentary. And I oh. was enthralled. I sat down and like really just glued. Yeah, yeah. It's powerful. I have been wow. warned. It's not going to leave you feeling right happy. down the street for me and i for like a year and a half now i've driven past that thing and i keep being like i gotta watch that but yeah but he like yeah it's not it's not gonna make you feel happy but fuck he's spectacular sure sure yeah yeah he was the man dude yeah still is fucking charming the michael jackson one better talk about the kids they keep they keep trying to not talk about the kids you gotta talk about what kids michael jackson michael jackson not michael j fox oh sure sure yeah yeah i dave was that it that was it i watched um, I'll start with. I think I that's actually, by Chris the way, the Smith first is... documentary I've ever thrown to on this on the show. Hey. Pretty great. Let's stick. Let's stick with the docs because I watched a couple docs yesterday. I watched um, Catherine Hepburn's documentary, "Call Me Kate," and I'm sorry I don't have the the uh, name of the director there, but that was charming. I love her. I love that time period of movies when she was coming up and everything. Cool lady. And I watched um, the Robert Downey Senior. Uh, documentary called senior that was kind of yeah. made by chris smith and robert downey jr that was fun and charming if you don't have to know anything about robert downey senior's movies to kind of enjoy watching this movie i think it helps if you have some familiarity but you're gonna love it if you've been alive and have know who robert downey jr is just he's gonna take you into this this perspective on his father and it it in the ending is really touching and really powerful it 
it's not that I didn't see it coming, but it really, <laughs> they really turned the knife. It's beautiful. Um, I also watched, as I think I told you guys the last episode or two episodes ago, which was like three or four weeks ago at this point now, that I just immediately started The Crown over. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I am, I am now into season three and seasons one and two yep. are so good. Yep. Like I'm already a little sad that I'm not back at that period. Um, a few standout episodes, the anointing episode is a masterpiece. The anointing. <laughs> that one where she, where she gets anointed. Yeah. The coronation that yeah. ends with, it's all kind of from the perspective of her uncle. Yeah. Who gave up the crown. Who was that played by Guy Pierce in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Yeah, the ending of that <laughs> because episode we're, with him because playing we're his, mortal. Because we're mortal. The ending with him playing the bagpipes. Yeah, is uh, unbelievable. Like goosebumps everywhere. And there are just uh, there's so many moments and episodes in those first two seasons where maybe it's the nostalgia, maybe it's the time period. I don't know what it is, but like that, absolutely fantastic. So anyway, that's that's where I'm at. And I've been watching Great British Bake Off. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. Is it the Great British Bake Off or the Great British Baking Show? Bake Off. Bake Off. Bake Off, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I just so good. Food for the soul. Love it. I, uh, it's been two weeks here. I re- we, re- we rewatched Pirates the other day, which was really fun. That movie's fucking the first awesome. One? That first one is so goddamn fun. It is so well Director done. Director of uh, Mouse Hunt, the movie you mentioned <laughs> <Corporate> earlier. <laughs> did I, did yeah, we mention I, Mouse Hunt before? I even like the you second said, one. Uh, it was... It's the I, first year of um, uh, RKG, of uh, DreamWorks. Oh, my God. You're right. I saw Mouse Hunt in theaters. <laughs> That's how I knew Nathan Lane. I knew him from Mouse Hunt. Um, I saw it in theaters. I remember seeing Nathan Lane. I remember. Okay, anyway, um, I think the two big things that we watched are actually a documentary film and a docuseries. One was called um, Take Care of Maya, which is a docuseries. And then the other one we watched was... American Horror Story? No, no, that's not. No, no, not the series. No, American series. Night. It keeps American Nightmare. American Nightmare. Yeah. Yes. American Nightmare. American Nightmare. <laughs> Both of these are about basically people in power that we're supposed to trust, doing the exact opposite and blaming you and accusing you and shit. So it's really bad. Take take care of Maya, guys. It is, it is so great. It's about the story of this girl that had a very rare disease called CRPS, and it's a very obscure disease, and the treatment is ketamine. Ketamine is obviously a very tr- tricky drug that Matthew Perry and other people are on. Yeah. And so she like went to Mexico to get ketamine treatments, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Her family was doing this. Uh, and then during a hurricane, she had a flare up. And so they took her to the emergency room uh, because of the ketamine treatments. And it's, but when they didn't like the parents, they thought the parents were like trying to force ketamine on this girl. They decided to call child services. Somebody came in, didn't introduce themselves. And then within 10 minutes, separated the child from the parents and the mom never saw the daughter again. And the mom ended, oh up, kill- and the mom ended up killing herself. They, they thought it was medical malpractice or they thought it was um, not mental malpractice. They thought it was um, um, parent uh, child abuse by medicine. Uh, Munchausen's, yeah. I think they say. But yep. anyway, so it's this whole story and then other people, other cases, other other situations were involved. This particular community in Florida, it's a, it's a, the social services is, uh, is private. It's not a public company. It's a private company. And, what the fuck? And they have 2.5 times the national average for separations. So basically, they're, they're one child services person just separates people within 10 minutes two and a half times more than anybody else. And so obviously, law. It's, it is fucking insane. Yeah, somebody's drunk Damn. of their own power there. 
it is i mean and, and she's not the only one like that there, there's there's this other person that's like i can be your mother and stuff to this girl i mean it's fucking insane it is, it is so well done great footage and stuff too it's great and then the american nightmare is basically the same thing where there's the most obscure in-home kidnapping situation that happens and people just assume that it was them maybe they they orchestrated it or something and oh yeah I saw, i've seen this in all this for that so and yeah. it's police and the police uh, and the fbi one fbi agent ended up dating one of the people involved it's like it is a fucking insane story and there's great characters and it's we, we couldn't stop watching them so those are the two recommendations uh, i know there's Jesus. actually i know there's great film to watch out there too um but god damn it those two things are addictive hey man a great docuseries mm. Three episodes, like that, right? three forty-five-minute episodes enough. for that one, and then the other. Oh, Hell it was, like, it was yeah. emotional. We were we were emotional. It was, it was great. Okay. Wow. Uh, oh, and I started some series, but I'll talk about them next week. So let's go. We're gonna take a very very quick break, and then when we come back, oh, I talked about Masters of the Air, guys. It's so good. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Apple TV Plus. It's so. I watched so the good. first episode too. Yeah, I watched I can't the first wait to watch two episodes. More. We'll talk more in the future weeks, people. But please watch it. Spielberg, <clears throat> Hanks, but Carrie Fukunaga is directing it. It's got a different pace than the Band of Brothers. It is so great. We'll talk about it next week. Let's take a quick break so we can choose our movie and then wrap up this episode. Let's do it. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> All right, people. 2013 film year. Very famous year with Gravity at the Oscars. Matthew McConaughey won an Oscar. Yeah. That is not. Famously, no special effects in that. They actually shot Sandra Bullock into space. That's it. And killed George Clooney. And they stole Roger Deakins' Oscar. His first one. Well, luckily, we got two later. All right. We are going to be talking about, speaking of Roger Deakins, Delhi Villeneuve's Prisoners. 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 I wonder if it's a just a light comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fun, fun romp for the whole family. Is it, is it <laughs> Hugh Jackman's is it Hugh Jackman's best role? I mean, besides, you know, well, obviously Wolverine's, you know, but. Yeah, I, I mean, let's it's, talk it's about it. It's definitely talk about it next week. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Go see it. It's, it's, on, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. And if you're poor, you're going to. It's on Netflix with commercials starting tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> for me, not, not for long. <laughs> oh my god alright people can't wait to talk about that next week great episode please bye bye